In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lutheran pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in a famous book called The Cost of Discipleship, once wrote that when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Now that was certainly true of Jesus' disciples. All but one of the apostles died a martyr's death. The cross and discipleship always goes together, you see. It's true for us, too. From the moment we're baptized, the cross of Jesus is upon us. We're marked by his saving death and resurrection. And so that means in, da- in Jesus that we daily die to sin and rise to new life in his dying and rising. The cross and discipleship go together. It's true for us. It was true for his disciples because it's first and foremost true about Jesus himself. In the Gospel of Luke, if you look at it, you can kind of divide it around Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Because from there, Jesus sets his face to go to Jerusalem. The cross, you see, is his endgame. He's heading there the entire Gospel, but especially after Luke 9. He makes his way there in earnest. And so to understand today's Gospel reading with really some difficult, hard words of Jesus to hear, we must keep that cross of discipleship, and more importantly, the cross of our Lord before our eyes and our ears and hearts and minds as we meditate on his word. Jesus was heading to Jerusalem with one specific purpose, to die for you. The crowds, of course, didn't quite get that memo yet, though. They wanted a miracle, a show, like the paparazzi. They were looking for celebrity Jesus to do something spectacular popular Jesus, the fun Jesus, the kind of Jesus maybe in all honesty a lot of us would like. The Burger King kind of Jesus who says, have it your way, any way you want, whatever you want, when you want. Healing, you've got it. Endless bread and fish and food, no problem. 180 gallons of wine for a wedding party, just fill those jugs up and pass them around. Now that's the kind of Jesus we could follow. And then Jesus turns to the crowds. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. These are tough words to hear. Tough words to understand. Matthew's Gospel in the similar account of this event says it this way, Whoever loves father and mother more than me cannot be my disciple. But Luke uses the Old Testament language of hate, which is not exactly the same way we use it today. It's not an emotional feeling towards someone, but more of an attitude or an action. And then in turn, how that attitude and that action relates to others in our lives as disciples and how it relates to Jesus in his word and hearing it and speaking it and living it. But still knowing the definition of the word And hearing the word is different, isn't it? It's still a hard word to hear. Hate? I thought Jesus was all about love. What's with this hating father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters? That doesn't sound like the precious moments focus on the family, Jesus, that we all know. And hate your own life? I thought we were supposed to love our lives and look out and take care of number one. What does this all mean? Jesus goes on, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. 
You see, Jesus is teaching his disciples and the crowds who followed him, and even us, his baptized people, an important, hard, but important lesson that the cross, his cross, it kills. The cross is an instrument of suffering and death. So to take up your cross is Jesus' way of saying, take up your death. The death that he dies for you, but that we die in him too. You can't follow Jesus without a cross. Because the cross and discipleship go together. That's his way, the way of the cross. And then the empty tomb. Death and then resurrection. That's the pattern for Jesus. The pattern for his disciples. The pattern for us too. Suddenly, maybe some of the crowds were thinking this. Maybe we're thinking it. This business of being a disciple of Jesus doesn't sound like a whole lot of much fun, does it? It sounds dangerous, maybe even deadly. Remember, Jesus had set his face to Jerusalem. The cross was in the front of his center gaze. And that's where he wants us to be looking and thinking and focused as well. To explain all this, Jesus takes the rabbinical teachings. He takes a style from them and takes two short stories, two little parables to unveil and reveal the cost of being his disciples. Which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it? And when he's laid a foundation is not able to finish it so that when it's done others will mock saying this man was not able to build and finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not first sit down and deliberate whether he has the men to meet the match or not, whether with 10,000 he can face 20,000, and if he can't, he will issue for terms of peace. All this is to say Jesus is telling us to count the cost. What will it cost to follow Jesus? It's not about money or fame or reputation. It's about our life. Really, it's about everything. To follow Jesus on this road to Jerusalem is to die and rise. And it's going to cost us everything. Everything we hold dear. Can we afford it, Jesus asks? Are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to have that cost of discipleship? Truth be told, if we calculated and sat down and figured it all out, the cost of following Jesus, probably none of us would. If that great crowd was following Jesus around like a rock star, knew exactly where he was going and what he was going to do there, they probably would have turned on their heels and headed straight the opposite direction. But this is why God doesn't leave salvation, or even our Christian life as his disciples, as his baptized, beloved people. He doesn't leave our Christian saving and living up to our own choice that we make. Instead, he pays the cost of discipleship for you. He sends Jesus to the cross and bears it for you. Think about Old Testament Israel for a moment, and how they belonged to the Lord, how he was their God, they were his people. They did not choose him, he chose them. He called them his beloved people, his holy nation of priests, his chosen ones. The only really choice they had was to not be his people. To walk away from him. Just like Adam and Eve could not choose life, they already had it. What they chose instead was death. They were alive. That's all they could choose was death. So, this is why Jesus calls coming to faith in him a rebirth in John 3. It's a new birth from above. 
You see, we did not choose him, he chose us. This is how God works. Holy baptism is a washing of rebirth, a renewal by the Holy Spirit. Think about it. Did your parents ask you if you wanted to be born? Probably not. It's the same way with Jesus' disciples. Though the cost is too great for us, in love, in his mercy, in his grace, Jesus bears that cost of discipleship for us. That's the good news hidden in what is arguably a tough Jesus of saying, maybe even one of the toughest. Jesus is the one who bears the cost for us. He lays down his life to save you and the world. He becomes, in fact, sin itself on the cross. He dies our death. He lays down his life. He counted the cost of everything that it would take to save you from sin and death and hell. And it was worth it for him. And he could pay it for you. It was worth every drop of blood, of his holy, precious, innocent blood. He gave up everything. Honor, glory, dominion, power, his life, for the joy of saving you. He set his face to Jerusalem to pick up his cross and ours and die there for you. He didn't ask you to choose him, but he simply chose you. He baptized you. He calls you by his spirit. He loves you and has chosen you, scripture says, from before the foundation of the world. It's true, in sin we were dead, but God has now made us alive in Christ. We were dead and God has rebirthed us, reborn us in water and spirit. We were captive to sin and death, but God has made us free and set us free in Christ. Even if you came to faith as an adult and sought out baptism, still, it wasn't really your choice. That was God working in you. That was God choosing you. He lays the cross on us, not to kill us, but to bring us to life. And that, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, is not cheap grace, but free grace. Very costly for Jesus, to be sure, but free for you. So we follow Jesus as his disciples, not because we've counted the cost and determined, oh yeah, I'm able to do this, but because we've counted the cost and found that we are completely and entirely unable to, but that Jesus has already done it for us. To us, his disciples, Jesus says, my cross, my resurrection, my grace is sufficient for you this day and always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.